Village Zadam has always been about bringing people together, despite borders and distance. As Zambian podcasters living in different countries, we have struggled finding tools that would help us connect the people we wish to speak to. A tool that is easy, not only to use for us as hosts, but for our guests as well. One which offers not only high-quality audio recordings, but also reliable to use, especially with poor internet connection. Which is why, as soon as we heard of Zencaster and what it has to offer, we jumped on it and have been using it since. For the past year, we have been able to connect and use Zencaster to produce amazing content. It's now super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. Log in using your browser and start recording high-quality podcasts right away. Record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you have your recordings in the highest quality even if the connection is unstable. If you are a podcaster and looking for an amazing tool, go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code thevillagezm and you get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same amazing experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Uh, this message goes straight to the president. Bali, things are not okay on the ground. Things are not okay on the ground. The people on the ground, the leadership that you have on the ground are not telling the truth. Things are not okay. to this episode of the village zm um as usual my name is malimba excited to have all of you here um it's been a while ever since i recorded the podcast episode so i don't really remember what i'm supposed to say but i'm i'm happy that you guys are here um today's episode is going to focus on something that um i feel like i, I never really knew what the right time was to talk about it because there's so much that we know and there's so much we don't know yet. We are yet to find out. Um, but I think now we're in a place where we have a bit more of an understanding of what it's going to look like. And there's a little less doubt concerning the issue, which is debt restructuring. And um, to help me explain this topic, of course, I had to bring an economist. Um, by name of Chimunya. This is the third time we're having him here, so I'm glad that we can have him here to elaborate on a few things. Um, hi, Chimunya, how are you doing? I'm okay, and how are you, Malimba? 
I'm uh, good. I'm sure the listeners are going to look forward to this because this is a topic that has attracted a lot of conversation in recent times. Actually, it's a conversation we've been having concerning Zambia's debt since around maybe 2017 or so. So, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting topic. So, um, I, I just want us to just start with a timeline. So when did Zambia's debt start to become a bit of a concern in terms of whether we were going to manage to pay this debt? Okay, uh, interesting question. Uh, the first thing that comes in is how you measure debt. There are different um, aspects to measuring of debt sustainability. Uh, one of the most common ones is one just done by the IMF, which has got the debt sustainability uh, analysis, which is uh, it called DSA. So you find that these are actually done from time to time, but you find that the different metrics that people would use. Uh, the most common one I'm talking about is the debt to GDP ratio. So the question comes in, what, or which date are you considering? Are you considering external date? Are you considering a total, both domestic and external date to GDP. So that is why the problem was because uh, this debate about at which level Zambia's date became unsustainable is really a difficult pinpoint when it actually became uh, a concern. Because if you look as far back as 2015, we heard of these talks around, is our date really unsustainable? There were talks around it. 2016, 2017, but around 2018, we did realize that, okay, our date levels have actually gone up. And that is when um, it became an issue of concern. And that is when the government, I think, began engaging the IMF. I remember that time we had the Minister of Finance, the name of Walangandu. He began to mention that uh, because of the date level that we had, we needed to engage the IMF at that time. I think it was at that time when it was realized that uh, the level was now of concern. But it became more extremely of concern in the year 2020 when um, the date level was so high that we became the first African country to default on this external date. And that is where the biggest challenge came in. Okay, so so when we talk about this time, we also <clears throat> have to factor in the fact that this this came at the time when there was the pandemic right mm. which means that um zambia's debt was constantly becoming very concerning and um it reached a point where in its concerning stage the pandemic hit and we had to default do you think that if zambia's debt was sustainable the pandemic would have caused us to default I think the, the biggest challenge that the pandemic brought about is that it affected our revenue generation capacity. So um, as to whether we would have defaulted or not would have depended on which if uh, to which extent our revenues were affected. Um, but if it was at least well, quite sustainable, it wouldn't have been much of a big issue. Um, you do realize that if you check our statistics, you discover that um, it, by the year 2011, um, 
our, our date level was quite very, very low. You discover that uh, you needed to pay less than, for every one quarter you pay, you, you, you raise, less than uh, 50% of it would go towards debt servicing. But as we went on, uh, as we went on, we discovered that by the time that we enter in 2020, for every one quarter that you had, about 91 ngwe needed to go towards the date and wages. So you see that where the problem was coming in. That at that point, it is where your date, uh, your revenue that you're generating at what capacity is supposed to pay back the date. So if for every one quarter to are paying, and the debt level was quite very low, let's say 20, 20 ngwe, probably maybe at that time if our level wasn't very affected, there wouldn't have been a big issue of concern. So I, 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 that question to answer whether I would have defaulted or not would have depended to which extent our revenue is also affected. I see. That's, that's a very good point to have there because there's also the obligation that government has to pay the people who work day in, day out mm-hmm. to provide these services. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a very, very good question. So um of course like we've had all these debates over the last months or years about whether the imf program was the right way to go and people may argue this and that but obviously like that doesn't really matter anymore because right now we are very much in an imf program we are very committed to this IMF program. Our government is very committed to this IMF program and they see it as the solution to to more or less finding a path to debt restructuring. And um, I guess this is seen in the fact that um, the main the main step has been completed with the bilateral creditors and um, we did reach an agreement um, with the Paris Club members and uh, China, um, so, so so basically, um, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chimunya. Mm-hmm. The IMF, pro- the the point of this IMF program was to give us more credibility when it came to negotiating this this debt restructuring, isn't it? Yes, that's exactly why the IMF was, uh, was engaged. If you read the documents that have been published in that sense, it was uh, these creditors that were informing that they needed a country to be credible. But then also, you should also look at it from the context of uh, these G20 countries. The countries came came um, came together, these rich countries, I would call the G20 countries. They sat down and looked at countries that were highly distressed and uh, they came up with a common treatment how they're going to treat all these countries to come up with a benchmark so IMF for the credible partner that was going to be of of help in the entire thing and this not this doesn't only deal with Zambia but also other countries as as a whole except that Zambia now becomes a model because it's a country that is on the IMF program and also has been successful in the implementation of the G20 framework and the data structuring aspect of it. So now I have a question. Since you said that we've been successful, is it possible now for us to be hearing about new terms? Or this is as far as it goes because we have managed to implement this? 
program. New terms as in which ones? Like new terms in terms of the agreement that we have with these uh, bilateral creditors. So basically, the the um, when when you look at it from the from the context of what the G twenty was was dealing with is that it's we as a country or other countries also are all different different uh, creditors. There are some who are private, some that are country on country, or China or Japan, all these different countries. The issue was how are you going to deal with your date. Are you going to negotiate with each and every person that you that that you you've um, you've you've borrowed from? So the common framework itself it's an issue of dealing with all countries, all creditors the same. So all the people that are falling under this J twenty framework, as agreed in terms in terms of this, is going the treatment is going to be fair and it's going to be equal. There is an aspect of equal treatment. Therefore, the terms will not depend on which credit are dealing with. But mind you, this data structure I'm referring to is only for these bilateral partners that were dealt with the $6.3 billion. I think we'll look into that. But then the $6.3 billion, let's look at bilateral creditors. And all of them are going to be treated according to the agreed terms. So they all sat down in one big room, I would call it, for simplification's sake, and agreed how Zambia's data will be. Uh, treated yeah um i i see i see but then um we're also hearing uh, when we hear the minister of finance talk he talks about the fact that we are the ones who designed this homegrown uh program so how does that fit in if it's their framework but our program does that mean that we try and tailor our program to their framework and it's not really 100% our program, or it's completely our program, and it's just a matter of, oh, okay, if you guys have a program that we approve of, then we will, we will agree to these terms as follows. How, think, how does it work? I think I think you're confusing two things. Um, mm. So there is an IMF program that you went on, which is a homegrown solution to say, this is what we're going to do to put our economy back on track. The Commonwealth Framework, is an agreement between the lenders who in, uh, who are different creditors. And this is why you heard all oh, of the chair of uh, co-chairing between France and China. This was creditors sitting down to agree how they're going to deal with your debt. Of course, in agreement with what you've said. So, like you asked earlier, the issue of coming in of IMF was to deal with credibility. Is this country credible? Are they doing things that are going to put the track on uh, the, the, the economy back on track? So the, to deal with the aspect of how you're going to grow your economy, to bring back on track, to bring about credibility in terms of uh, reducing the amount of uh, data that you're borrowing, to get back on the sustainability, fiscal sustainability in every aspect. Those were homegrown solutions that we are working with the IMF. But to treat how debt will be treated, that was entirely up to the common framework, which is not us detecting. Because, of course, I can't tell you how you're going to deal with my debt. You have to tell me how you're going to deal with it. But, of course, in the negotiation aspect. Ah, so basically, it's like, for example, I owe you money. Mm -hmm. And I ask you for more time to pay. But I also tell you how I'm going to make that money to pay you. And also just to get by. Because maybe... That's also a concern, obviously, right? 
Yeah, yeah. But maybe just for the sake of some of the viewers that would uh, want to understand, you know, we may be just taking for granted we're talking about just destruction, just destruction, but people do not really understand what it is. You get the point? Mm. Yeah. So, but maybe maybe just try to simplify what this debt restructuring refers to. So, in short, we mm. can say debt restructuring basically just tries to to transfer the payment period to try to get immediate relief or ask for more time to organize your economy in terms of uh, raising enough revenues to be able to be paid back or to build your capacity. Um, in most in in most times, when you look at debt restructuring, it's usually composed of uh, three types of debt restructuring. The first one is called an extension. So under an extension, you're basically asking to say, look, I cannot be able to pay you back in five years. I cannot be able to pay you in three years. What I'm asking for is that I'm asking if I can pay you in 10 years or I'm asking you to lengthen this period of payment. So that is an extension where I just lengthen in the period of repayment. The second one is what is called the composition. The composition is where the creditors, the people you are owing money, would ask for uh, to agree, I mean, would ask, you are asking for relief as a as a as a data, and these creditors agree to give you some form of relief, meaning where they agree to take some losses. I'm, yes, I'm owing you ten thousand kwacha, but I'm I'm willing that uh, I can only pay you eight, and you agree to say, okay, it's fine. The two thousand kwacha you won't be able to pay, and I'll be able to pay this much. So that is where the composition comes in, and the last one is probably what is called debt for equity. Most this is more common in companies where you sell part of your strategic, uh, or you sell part of your shares in exchange for the debt that you actually have. So, in the terms of Zambia's uh, debt restructuring aspect, it's an issue of uh, agreeing on the extension of the payment period. Of course, we've heard that under these same agreed uh, terms, it's that Zambia has been given an extension of more than twenty years with a three-year grace period in which only interest payment will be paid. So they have only managed to restructure $6.3 billion, which is which is owed to bilateral creditors. And then when you're talking about bilateral creditors, these are probably most like countries that you're owing and the like. The treatment of credit, of private credit, which is your bond, the commercial, commercial date is yet to be agreed upon. So basically, we're looking at the debt restructuring, especially in the concept of Zambia. It's lengthening the period of paying back this 6.3 billion you're supposed to pay. Some of which should have been paid last year, some of which are supposed to be paid next year, but you've agreed that instead of paying it now, you'll be able to pay back later. But however, when looking at debt restructuring, we are asking that help us, give us immediate relief to organize ourselves, to raise enough money to pay, be able to pay you back. That's the money. We are not refusing. I don't want to pay you the money. We'll pay you. But what we're asking for is to allow us to reorganize, to uh, agreeing. You know, Zambia might have just continued to say, look, we've defaulted, so we'll not pay you any money. But we've agreed that we're going to pay. However, we're asking for time to organize ourselves and be able to pay back. And also flexibility. We cannot be able to pay you all this money. So we see even in the Zambia's treatment is that even our interest rate has been... Um, has been restructured. So the first one that we've extended the uh, payment period. The second one, we've also reduced the interest. So you maybe are supposed to pay five percent, but then what have, what has been agreed is that they have cut the interest rates for this longer period of time and should not exceed two point five percent. 
So the interest has not exceed 2.5. And also, of course, we've got a three-year grace period on repayment of uh, principal. I thought maybe I should bring that out also. Okay. I guess th those were definitely um, good points to make. So right now in the short term, what does this do for the everyday Sambian now that we reached an agreement with our creditors? Okay, that's uh, a good question. So the first thing is that, um, you know, as a citizen, you are dependent on a country to provide different as uh, different uh, uh, services. You want good hospitals, you want good roads, you want healthcare, you want drugs in uh, in hospitals. You want all these things. This money is only paid from the revenues that the government raises. So you had two competing needs. The government either had to pay debt or pay for services and whatever comes in. If we look at our statistics, as of 2020, um, we discover that if we look at the, uh, the amount that was uh, owed in terms of debt and also the amount that was owed in terms of, uh, in, in, in terms of, uh, of salaries. So if you add the salary and also add the debt level, which was actually exceeding our revenue, revenue that we had, so this is, if you can read the statement that the Minister of Finance actually issued in Parliament, this is clearly outlined. We discover that for us to be able to pay back both debt and pay salaries, we needed to actually borrow. Now, what that does is that it provides some kind of relief in the meantime to be able to channel this money that should have been paid to debt to more uh, better things that are going to benefit the everyday um citizen the person that is in zambia you want to medicines in hospitals that money should have gone to the payment of date will come to that thing you want building of road that is where the money will come from but secondly and also importantly that uh, it also helps in terms of uh, improving the economy of the country now what do i mean by this you discover that most people Okay, and cannot really be taken care by the government in terms of self-employment. The government cannot employ everyone. However, there are a lot of people that are in terms of that are in business. For their businesses to thrive, they might need access to capital. The access to capital in the country is quite expensive. Why? Because also, also of our credit rating as a country. The time we said defaulting, the time our debt levels went up, our credit rating went up, and this is why you see that the the interest rate at which someone can borrow ridiculously high. Because of this renewed confidence that comes in the country, you have got a good perception, uh, very good investor confidence. You see investors coming in the country and you have all these ones. We are likely to see an effect on, on interest rates reducing. That simply means if you're a person and that is in business, you have access to uh, lower capital that you can be able to, uh, I mean, lower uh, price capital. That simply means if interest rates are lower, you are able to borrow at the basically favorable terms that you are able to grow your business that you you are you are running also with a renewed investor confidence we like you to see more investments coming in the country in addition to that is that the the good part about having good sentiments and uh, improved economic activity you see that the exchange rate is likely to appreciate and stabilize when this does is that uh, Zambia continues being an import dependent country and you find that we, we import most of these uh, of these raw materials that we use in our production. So what that means is that the cost of, 
of production or cost of uh, of bringing in these raw materials for the sake of production is going to go a bit lower. And that simply means that you are going to likely see an improvement in productivity and also the cost of doing production. And you discover that this also is positive for employment creation. Because of these uh, other things that we begin to see, we can we we are likely, we are likely, I'm using the word likely, to see an improvement in the economy. But this will depend on what activities will follow after the data structure. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a, a good point, actually. Um, uh, the fact that um, it's now it's really on to, up to us to make sure that we do enough during this time when we have favorable terms when repaying our debts to more or less um, invest in the right sectors and generate revenue for ourselves. That's a that's a very that's a very good point that you've um, made there, Anshimunya. Um something I actually wanted to ask. I don't know why it, it, it has hit uh, my mind now. Um, yes. So basically, um, there's also this uh, money that we are receiving from the IMF. If I'm not mistaken, it's over... It's... Um, the $188 million? Dollars. What? The $188 million. Which is part of oh, 1.3 yes. billion. Yes, exactly. That's what I was about to say. Like in total, this this 1.3 billion dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So when when do we expect to? Actually, I I I, I yeah. When do we ex? What 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 effect will this money have on our economy, and why are we getting this money? Okay, that's a good question, and uh, this brings us back to the other discussion that people have been having. Why are we going to the IMF? Are we borrowing so that we can pay back our data and the like? In most cases, the money that you get from the IMF is for what is called the balance of payment uh, purposes, the BOP. What this simply means is just basically boosting your reserves. So during this time that you're paying back your date, you need to have a... Um, reserves that are a bit higher uh in terms of our target range we will target to have uh reserves that are equivalent to three months of import cover i know that's economic language for that and that are not economists however what this means is that if uh the money that you have in the in the in terms of reserves if you are continuing to import you should be able to import for at least three months for you to completely run dry so this money is basically boosting your reserves capacity what that does is that it helps stabilize your exchange rate so as you are paying back as you are paying back you know remember that when you're paying date you're paying in dollars so as you're paying in dollars more dollars are going out now if you're going to have pressure that you're paying back more uh than you're actually generating if your production capacity is not high you're not exporting as high to own in forex what that would do it would depreciate your currency highly now if it gets depreciated and we know that the exchange rate has got passed through effects on the ordinary Zambian and even someone abroad there. What that does is that if the exchange rate depreciates or the exchange, uh, the currency depreciates, it simply means that the cost of production, like I already explained it, that it will actually go up instead, the, the opposite. <clears throat> what this would do is that Zambia conti being continually a country that is dependent on uh, imports, the cost of importing things goes up. 
Now, to prevent that huge depreciation of the currency, you need this money as the balance of payment support. So, as you are also implementing these measures that uh, that you've agreed for homegrown solutions, you need to ensure that the, your, your country remains afloat. Now, you don't want to be a situation where all the money you have, you are using it for something and you do not remain with anything. So this is where this money just helps you to support yourselves. And in most cases, it is used for reserves. I think that's what I can say. I see, I see. So so now you, you talk a lot about this exchange rate. Um, we did see a significant um, drop in the exchange rate um, a few weeks ago. And... When I when I saw this happen, I was I was excited, but then when I looked at it, um, I thought it was at the result of the quarter appreciating. But then when I looked at the the dollar in comparison to other African countries, I actually saw that the the dollar is what depreciated, basically, um, which is not an entirely bad thing for our economy. But basically, my question is: after all these processes have been concluded and whatnot. Um, the ones that have been concluded so far, um, now that they've been concluded, when do we expect to see the exchange rates dropping? Or what factors do we expect to, you know, result in the exchange rate dropping? Just as, yeah. and, and, and this is, obviously you, you can't fully know, but, you know, do you have any idea of what it might look like? Okay, uh, interesting enough, that question. Um, so, for a country, the most important thing is, or even for investors, is not about the exchange rate uh, being, I mean, like uh, appreciating or depreciating. The most important thing is uh, stability. Stability becomes one of the most important things. At the rate at which a currency appreciates or depreciates is what is what is needed the most because uh if 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 it's if it's fluctuating that becomes a challenge now if we go a bit in uh exchange rate economics there are mainly two types of uh exchange rates there's what is called the floating exchange rate where the market determines which price you are going to go for meaning if there's a huge forex coming in the country it will either appreciate or depreciate basically dependent on the on what is happening in the market the second one is what is called the fixed exchange rate, meaning a country will fix to say, okay, the dollar to a quarter has gone by five quarter. What this means is that if, if the currency is about to depreciate, the central bank will have to pump in the dollars. If it's about to depreciate, uh, appreciate, to do the opposite. Now, that is what would uh, likely happen. Now, this issue of um, the debt restructuring, the economy doing whatever it is, the exchange rate only responds to first sentiment. So you'd see that it appreciates, depreciates, depending on the news that is going in. However, that is temporal. The most sustainable thing is you earning money coming in, the forex coming in the country, meaning we sh at this time, we should now begin to organize ourselves as a country to become a productive country and not a very import-dependent country. The level of our trade, especially in the extent of coming in of the African continental free trade area, is very important because if we are going to take advantage of it and grow our exports and reduce all our imports, our terms of uh, trade actually also improving. What this would do is that it's going to 
have more money coming in the country, I'm talking about forex, and we're going to see an appreciation in the, in the currency, and we're more likely to see stability at, 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 at that may be. So in this case, it's dependent on our actions as a country. And for me, I think it's Zambia now has, has, has got a chance to, to work on its economy in a very, um, in a very structured way in that we've learned from our history. Um, we had this uh, hippie condition, I think, as far back, this 2007, when we had this hippie completion, our debt was forgiven, but we found ourselves again in the same similar situation where we, we are highly indebted. Now, in this context, we should learn how can we become productive as a country to ensure that productivity goes up and we do have to depend on ourselves and not heavily on debt. I'm not saying we'll stop borrowing, but I'm saying that we should learn to increase our productivity and probably maybe I would even suggest um, a, f a few things. I think you've already mentioned, alluded to some of them, but some of the things that we should learn to do is that we should first invest in productive sectors. Now, when I'm talking about uh, we, I'm talking about people of this country. Uh, the, the, the problem that we usually have is that we leave it up to say, ah, government should do this, or the private sector should do this. It's everyone that is being involved. You who's out, me who's out, or who's in the country, how do we ensure that Zambia becomes, uh, becomes a productive, productive nation? How are we going to be adding value to our, to our minerals, especially that we're a mineral-dependent country? How do we ensure that the people that we have as students are actually people that are productive. We see a country like Japan, the most important resource they have is a human resource. What do they do? They just simply invested in their people. Actually, the question our curriculum in Zambia, where someone will be all at school from grade one to grade 12, learning all theories and no practical whatsoever. Probably maybe we can even begin to, to change how we think about our curriculum. Why don't you make uh, trade courses compulsory? At least by the time someone is finishing grade 12, they would have learned about carpentry, they would have done gardening, they should know about home economics. At least something that can give them some kind of productivity should they not even finish school. Someone just finished grade 12 and they're both, before they start looking for money to go to school, they can maybe even set their own uh, small shop that they are doing the carpentry, start their own baking restaurant, whatever it is. So we need to invest in having a productive people. So I know I've gone a bit uh, far from your question, but what I'm trying to say is that for us to begin to see the appreciation of the currency, like you're asking, it will depend on what actions will take coming from beginning now. Yeah, and I, I guess that's 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 the big question um, that we have and everything because everyone thinks about they are either waiting for government to make big investments and or they are waiting for um, the you know foreign investors to make big investments, but that's more of a spoon-fed approach, more or less. But no one talks about you know, having more people starting small businesses and employing people and having less people who are less dependent and having a very productive society. Mm -hmm. and, and I think those are, those are things that people don't really take into account. I think the more, 
the more we have a, a society that's been invested in in terms of how many people are able to be productive, that also helps us, you know, like you said, um, you know, I feel like that's that's the biggest issue we have right now also because that's also a mindset issue, right? Mm. And that's whichever government is, 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 is there. And that's the thing. Now we've got favorable conditions and it's really on us to make sure that we work with government to make sure that we are as productive as possible and stuff. Um, I guess that's a part that people don't really think about, the fact that we also have to play our part. But then I'm also going to bring it back to, to one other thing. Um, do you think that a lot of this money that is being involved in the debt restructuring should go to local debt being paid off? Because I feel like that also has an effect on how productive the economy is. There's a lot of people who have supplied to government uh, and they have not been paid. Mm. Obvious reasons, but what the like i haven't heard any plan for those you know but don't you think that maybe that's something that they should also think of basically yeah um like i indicated what 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 matters the most is that we should have deliberate efforts towards stimulating um local productivity like we've discussed here now when we are talking about stimulating local productivity we're talking about in the context of how do you support businesses to thrive. So there are people that are owed money. For example, maybe areas and the like that have been paid over time. So those are deliberate efforts to try to raise money for them to be paid off and they uh, they, they be supported. It's also about coming up with deliberate policies that are going to promote local businesses. You know, we can talk about foreign direct investment. You can talk about these same things. But however, f- foreign direct investment is about talking about People coming from different countries, come into the country, raise money and take it out. But our local people themselves, they are the ones that are going to create these jobs. They are the people that are going to keep the money within the economy. So how could you promote them? You can promote them by putting favorable policies. You can promote them by also clearing the docker date that you, you are owing to them. Because if you are a small business like you as it is and you are owed money, if this money is paid to you, I'm more likely to even do certain things. I'm going to hire more people. I'm going to hire the people that are here. The issue of foreign direct investment also brings in the aspect of people coming with their experts. I'm coming with this expert from this country, this other expert. But you're forgetting the people that you could employ. But people that are actually local, they are more likely to get the people that are within the within the country. So it's it's uh it's an aspect of ensuring that you've got deliberate efforts to promote the local businesses and the people that are going to be productive. So this comes in many ways, especially the issue of clearing the liquidity. Like we talked about, the cost of borrowing in Zambia is quite high. So if I am owed money and I know that for me to go and borrow more money, it's going to be costly. I think it just occurs well that my date is paid, it's paid off. And once this date is paid off, I... I'm able to have some liquidity that I can pump in my business and be able to contribute. And, you know, as money is exchanging hands, we are seeing more productivity going in within the country. Yeah, I mean, you you do make a, a good point because every business that needs to be run needs to be liquid. There needs to be cash 
cash is what more or less cash is king as they say right mm. like cash is what makes the business flow mm. so i think that's that's also been a very big factor in our in our you know in in, in this uh, in this journey we've we've been in as a country and stuff because more or less locally our hands have been tied because you know people need to be liquid but it's too expensive to borrow from the bank and also people are not getting paid back um their money because you know local debt is kind of you know a bit stuck so um i i do expect that to you know um be be a focus of government in the in the near future um but also i have a question um we have we have this uh i think it's about 3 billion um that we owe to bondholders mhm and basically what do they do they consider the same thing the same imf program as conditions for them to to more or less um restructure the debt that we have towards them as well you know that's a question i've been thinking about like do they look at the same things that the bilateral creditors look at when it comes to restructuring debt um so in this in this context we're looking at it from the bondholders or the commercial debt that we owe um mm-hmm. so they were not part of uh of the the agreement that was signed of the 6.3 billion however they've also been engaged and uh, a common treatment is also being uh, considered for them they are also having uh, meetings around how can we ensure that we we what we we, we get uh, we get back our money so there is a debt treatment that is being agreed and i was just reading an article not long ago i think tribute today or yesterday where it's being talked about them um agreeing to some kind of debt treatment for for zambia and uh, the the agreement that is that is um that, that, that is going to be there is that remember there's commercial debt which is being owed um if i'm mistaken commercial debt is about 6.8 billion that is the, that, that is being owed to external creditors of which 3.5 billion is for bondholders so this treatment of uh, commercial debt is also going to be agreed upon so there is these engagements that are there but they're also uh feeding in on the imf program because they know that if zambia is on this program and zambia is also regulating its uh it's its conduct in line to grow its economy then they are which the country is more likely to pay back the debt that is actually owed so there is an engagement uh that is actually taking part and they also needed this uh program to be there the same IMF program for them to be able to be assured that they will be get back their money however the treatment will not be exactly the same as the 6.3 billion but their engagement and that i think it's been said that the the report by the IMF is saying the IMF report says that uh before the second review of Zambia's date they should have agreed by then i think i also read something about by the second the second review and stuff so we are constantly getting reviewed about this right yeah so basically they you've agreed that okay this is a 3 year program now you can't wait until the end of the three years and say oh how did you perform so you are always having these benchmarks every month every quarter every whatever it is 
to just reveal whether he is still on the on track. And this is why they didn't give you the entire three billion at once or the one point three billion at once because you needed to work around the um, agreeing to benchmark. So this time you're going to do this. This time we're going to do this. Are you doing what you're doing for you to be able to get that? Yeah. Okay. I I totally understand what you're saying now i don't know honestly speaking like in as much as we do not know where the direction this might go and we hope for the best because you know it's up to government and also up to us to more or less just work hand in hand to make sure that uh, we get out of this situation but um it's actually very interesting to actually see you know how the outcome of what this is going to be because we we happen to find ourselves living within a time where there's some form of rebuilding that we we are trying to do. Whether it's going to be successful or not, we don't know. But just being a part of it, it's it's very interesting, and it kind of puts a lot of responsibility on all of us to continue having these discussions, to continue trying to understand what role we can play, and everything. So yeah, but um. My question now is, as, as a citizen of Zambia, what can I do or what can any other citizen of Zambia do in the meantime to contribute to our, our, our economy uh, or just contribute to the restructuring of our economy right now? So uh, the issue of, uh, of date has so much to do with, uh, with, with, with the government coming up with... Uh, ways in which they are going to pay back to structure the debt and whatever it is. However, the, the burden that falls on the citizen is to ensure that we all contribute to the growth of our economy. Now, we, we are talking about the growth of our economy. We are talking about it in different uh, aspects. We look at it from the context of, can we become productive? Can we start businesses that are going to thrive? Can we pay our fair uh, taxes? You know, there's this issue of running away from paying tax, thinking someone else should pay, and me, I shouldn't pay. I've heard of argument of saying, look, if I'm earning less than 10,000 quarter, then I shouldn't pay any tax. The question is, who's going to pay that money that is going to be used for a free education that is being implemented? Who's going to pay that money that's going to be used for building of hospitals, for putting drugs in hospitals? So the, 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 the something that we should become conscious is that we should be people that are concerned with how we can develop our, our country. And this also calls for people, not only people within the country, but even people that are in the diaspora. How can you support people? How can you support the economic growth of your country? Can you support a few people that are, um, that, that, that are trying, that are thriving? Can we buy local? Can we ensure that even as we, we are in countries uh, that are earning higher incomes, how can we support the growth of our countries back then? How can we bring back, um, how can we bring back the, 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 the companies that were being grown in our country? Remember that in, during Kaunda's time, we had factories in almost every city. If you travel abroad, you see that uh, there are certain things that other countries have implemented that could be help Zambia. This is also cause for people like that to 
come back home and implement certain things like that. To also, for people also, um, when we talk about the foreign direct investment, it also calls on um, Zambians in, in both within and out there to bring in investors, to speak good of the country, to ensure that even tourists are also uh, increasing, to become local, uh, loyal to our own country. I think so much is how, the question is, how can I help to develop my country? Not how can my country be developed? How can government develop the country? No, no, no. It's the question should be, how can we all work collectively, whether the private sector, whether individuals, whether government, to ensure that Zambia is developed? Not Zambian government, not Zambian private sector, but Zambia as a country, all belong to it. How can we all contribute and work around it? So th there's no simple one-way answer to how can we contribute. The question is, can we put our collective actions, collective responsibility, collective thinking to help our country develop and become a model of who, what it can become? Yeah. Okay, thank you so much, Nchimonya. You made so many uh, positive contributions and given us a lot to reflect about, really. Very unique conversation, as always. So. Thank you for coming on and um, you know sharing this opportunity with us to explain these things to our viewers. Um, is there anything else that you would want to add on before we start to conclude this episode? Maybe just promote yourself or, you know. Hmm. Okay, no, thank you very much, Anim, but it's always a pleasure to, to be on this platform. Um, for some of the things that I'm discussing and some of the things that I, I, I do, um, I'm a writer, as you know. I write on economic and uh, financial uh, topics. My work is being is published in the, in the national newspaper. But also, most importantly, for someone who would want to read that, you can just look up Nshumunya Mvwende on LinkedIn and also on Facebook. I have most of my content uh, posted there. Even on this data structuring, I've written something around it in just different topics. I think I've got close to 100 uh, articles on LinkedIn. So for anyone who wants to follow and engage, you can just look up Nchumunya Mvwende there and we, we can get the conversation going. All right. Thank you, Nchumunya. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We are so excited that you decided to listen to us. Um, we are the Village ZM at the Village ZM on each and every social media platform. And um, until next time, it's uh, bye for now. Thank you. Bye.